As Dave mentioned, today's text is from Luke 2, 28 through 38, so please follow along as I read the passage aloud for us. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at, the very, at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This is God's word. Thank you. Good morning, church. My name is Naomi Lau, and I'm the children's pastor here at Reality SF. I'm so glad to be here with you today and teaching. Each week in this Advent teaching series, we're unpacking the theme of what it means to wait on God in expectation. Last week, we heard from Ruthie Kim, looking at waiting on God through the life of Mary. And this morning, we will look at what it means to wait on God through the life of the prophet Anna. So before we begin, let me pray for us. Father, we wanna say thank you. Thank you for today and the time that we have together to worship and to hear from your word. We ask you for your spirit to move within our hearts. And as we learn what it means to wait on you in expectation, God, would you speak to us? Draw us near to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone is familiar with waiting. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable feeling. It can be agonizing when we need to wait on the small and the big things in life. Uh, for me recently, it took two weeks for everything to line up to get my kitchen faucet repaired. Or maybe you can relate to this, waiting for a certain someone to help check off the items on the honeydew list. Or waiting for a much needed alone time after being with the kids for what feels like forever. Maybe these things seem like small things, but we can all agree that when we're in the moment, 
they definitely come with big feelings. Some of the bigger things that we might need to wait on in life are like the things that are out of our control. For you this morning, you might be in transition between jobs, seeking a calling or a purpose, or maybe waiting to hear back from potential employers or schools. Perhaps you're waiting on God for clarity, healing, reconciliation. You might be in search of love or to feel at home, to start a family. There's longing to be with a loved one again. As followers of Jesus, this is the hardest kind of waiting, waiting on God for an answer to these prayers and to make things new. This is what Advent is about. When the church calendar forces us to remember, to wrestle, we train ourselves with waiting like the Israelites endured, the generations of waiting to be rescued and delivered by the Messiah. And because we know our Messiah has come already, we still wait in this in-between when things on earth are not fully restored. My hope for us today is that we as a church can do this waiting on God together and do it well. You may be thinking, what do you mean by do it well? What does that look like? I'll tell you what it's not. For example, it's not passive. It's not the headspace when you're scrolling on your phone at the checkout line at the grocery store, the passing the time, apathetic kind of waiting. This waiting on God isn't easy. It takes intentional work, time, and investment. It's hard to wait because there's this acknowledging of all the hard stuff that comes to the surface. And I mean, no one really ever wants to wait, especially if we have no idea what the outcome is. Most of the time, we try to get around having to wait. This is interesting. There are apps and services that help change our perception of waiting, so it doesn't feel so bad, so excruciating all the time. Think about the places that we have to wait in lines, like the favorite first-come, first-served restaurants, the airport, amusement parks. It can be so hard for us to wait sometimes that there is a business in capitalizing on the science and psychology of waiting. There's a business in going to great lengths to elevate the customer experience when people have to wait. The sole focus of their job is to make waiting more pleasurable, that you forget that you're even waiting. So what does that even look like, to wait well, especially when society supports the opposite, with the speed at which things operate, feeding into our impulses and our need for instant gratification? This morning, I want us to take a closer look at the focus of our waiting, when the focus of our waiting is on God. I've briefly talked about what waiting is not. Let's look at what it is. Waiting on God and expectation is a pursuit of God. Waiting on God and expectation is a pursuit of God. We might think to ourselves, so why should I keep waiting? What's the point if God isn't going to answer me now? We're surrounded by a culture of resignation, right? 
that somehow we need to accept things for what they are now. We don't even realize that we've become resigned because it's so easy to let our minds settle for the status quo. And then we give ourselves to the distractions. We give ourselves to other things to help numb the pain or to try to escape the reality of it. Or you might think, waiting on God doesn't have to feel so hard. Getting too emotionally invested or worked up about it, get my hopes up. But what if that's how waiting on God sometimes, how it feels? Waiting is hard. We have a hard time waiting. You will spend most of your life waiting from the small to the big things. And if we weren't in this season of Advent, we wouldn't face the reality of learning how to wait. Advent thrusts this on us to teach us to wait because we are waiting for the redemption of all things. Advent teaches us to wait Every year with the church calendar, we look face to face with waiting. We get to learn how to wait. And what I'd like to do is teach from the life of Anna. Look at verse 22 to 23. Every young family would go to the temple 40 days after the mother has given birth to the firstborn male child. So just like all families, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus go to the temple in Jerusalem. And here, just as they arrive at the temple, they approach and Simeon, the prophet, sees them and has a prophetic word and blessing for Mary. And then Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus meet Anna, the prophet. We have exactly three verses about her that are directly speaking about Anna. And what I found so intriguing is that even in these three verses, there's a lot we can gather about Anna. Luke, the author of the book, Luke, being a physician, was precise in his style of writing and account in the gospel. And even while there are only three verses, I believe he does this intentionally to help us think more about who Anna is and the significance of her role in the gospel. And what is so significant and compelling about Anna is this, She devotes her life to just one thing. We're drawn to people who devote their lives entirely to just one thing because they usually have something profound to teach us. Anna has something to teach us. Anna devoted her life to waiting on God. And as we look at the character of Anna, we see her waiting on God through her perseverance, her physical presence and posture of readiness. First, what we see here in this passage through Anna is a woman who makes her whole life pursuing God with perseverance. Notice in verse 37 that she is a widow. Let's think about what that would have meant for Anna. Just seven years married and she loses her husband. While the text doesn't say We can imagine she endured and experienced much grief and sorrow in her loss. And while the text also doesn't tell us the details around her situation, a widow at that time could have inherited her dowry back after her husband passed, owned property, had extended family male relatives to support her, or she could have become bitter or resented her circumstances. 
All of these are possible scenarios for her in the ancient times. What we do know is that Anna chose a life faithful to God. And she pursued God for all her days. In addition to that, as a woman, we know where Anna would have worshiped at the temple. She would have worshiped at the temple in the women's courts. In the ancient temples, people were granted specific areas based on their status in society. We know because Christ has come, he broke down all the divides of the temple so that today all people are welcomed in. But this is the way it was then, closest to the most holy place where God would dwell is where the Jewish males and the priests would worship in the men's courts. And then the area just outside that are the women's courts for the Jewish women. And this is where Anna could worship, fast and pray. We know that she remained faithful to God until she was 84. Some interpret the text to say that she was a widow for 84 years. And after you factored in the approximate age that she would have been married, Anna could have been 105 years old. So imagine that. She had given herself wholly to God into her old age. This is incredible. To have endured a loss early on after marriage, faced the limitations of a woman in society at the time, and still deciding to remain faithful despite her circumstances for so many years. And when you think about being somewhere for any amount of time, you do some research. You figure all the things you would pack, bring along, and the lifestyle you would lead. This woman not only took up her retirement to be with God, it was as if Anna persevered by deciding to marry and be with God regardless of what any of the other options were. Some years ago, a friend of mine who lives in Colorado invited my husband and Alex and our other good friend to visit her and climb a 14er as a fun excursion. So a 14er is a mountain that exceeds 14,000 feet, and we decided to climb Mount Bierstadt, a mountain in the front range of the Colorado Rockies. It's one of the more doable 14ers for beginner hikers. We were maybe a little overambitious. We flew into Denver from San Francisco on a late flight arriving close to midnight, and then woke up at 4 a.m. to drive to the base of the mountain. And then we would begin to climb to avoid the thunderstorm that would come our way around midday. We quickly encountered some challenges as we started to climb. And we discovered how exhausted we felt. I remember feeling out of breath, even though I wasn't moving that fast. We had trouble bouldering some of the areas and climbing through the narrow pathways on the trail. Another one of us experienced terrible altitude sickness, which when it is severe can be really debilitating, like headache, shortness of breath, and extreme fatigue. We weren't sure if all of us could make it to the highest point, but we persevered. We kept climbing. And finally, we reached the summit of the mountain where we could finally take in the view and rest. Yeah, it was rewarding. 
And it was worth the hardship too. What if this is what life is like? As followers of Jesus, what if all of this is worth it? Anna persevered and kept going. She believed following God was worth it. Anna believed it was worth it so much, she never departed from the temple, as it says in verse 37. What do you give up to be like that and be like Anna? She never departed from the temple. And Luke chose to describe her in this way. I believe he highlights her physical presence at the temple because because this detail mattered. So first we talked about how she persevered. And now we're gonna talk about her physical presence. Even with all the temptations and the distractions that the world offer, even at that time in a city like Jerusalem, yet she did not leave. We can conjecture, if the temple is where God dwells, and she didn't want to ever leave the temple, never leaving the temple could have meant that she didn't ever want to leave his presence. God dwelled in the temple at that time, and though, though now, because Christ came, God dwells within us and actually is with us. But at that time, being at the temple was how it was possible to be physically close to God. And for Anna, being at that temple was her connection with God as humanly as possible, physically as close as she could be. Her focus was on one thing. It was on one thing only, entirely on God. And as I've been thinking about Anna and her presence in the women's courts of the temple, it brought me to Psalm 84.10, which says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. The psalmist says there's no other place he would rather be, that even outside of the temple at the gate would be better than having actual shelter with the wicked. Just brings me to this picture of a person standing outside in the pouring cold rain for months, refusing to offer, refusing the offer of tempting, warm, dry, comfortable home. It is hard to stay committed. But the key thing here is to note is sometimes the best thing to do is stay, to stay with God. Some of us have been tempted to leave God, to stop waiting on God. You might be thinking, it's too hard to keep going. I don't know if I can do this waiting on God anymore. But what if it's possible? What if it's possible that you have exactly what it takes? Oh, for sure, it isn't easy. Waiting on God is going to take effort and to work through that anxiety with the uncertain and the unknown, not knowing exactly what will happen or how God will answer. It's like driving in San Francisco on an extra foggy day, you know where the fog like hovers right over the the ground and you can't see what's beyond it. All you can do is trust that the road will lead you to your destination. The effort we must give is to give ourselves to God as Anna does, in worship, fasting, praying, 
These are our practices to give ourselves, to orient our physical selves, to be fully present with God. It's just as Jesus taught us. It's the work we need to put into being his followers. Yes, the scripture, praying, fasting, Sabbath, we must give ourselves to these spiritual practices to persevere. It's what pulls us forward and out of the sludge and muddy places that we find ourselves in. It keeps us anchored amid the crashing waves of life, right? And as we are rooted, as we grow in the true vine, as we wait on God to answer, to deliver, and to redeem. About two, two months ago, I was with my husband, Alex, and my two kids, and we were on our way back from our outing with friends. And on the way home, driving on the highway, we got a flat tire. We were able to safely exit and pull into a small empty parking lot. But when it happened, I worried the kids would melt down after a long, tiring day. We also hadn't eaten dinner yet. I thought to myself, what will we do? We don't even have a spare. We waited those few hours for someone to help us with their flat, and when I expected meltdowns and hangry kids, my kids believed our tire would get fixed. And I found my kids dancing, skipping, and singing. My kids loved this interruption and time together as a family. And you know, it was the dancing, skipping, singing in that parking lot that kept me grounded in the waiting, kept me from anxiety. What I had initially thought would become a major setback and doom for the remainder of my evening became the most delightful and memorable time. It became an opportunity for my family to live in that moment together. That's what it can be like for us sometimes when we're waiting. At first, it feels like a setback. That waiting becomes an inconvenience because it seems too foggy to see how it plays out. But what if, just like my kids dancing and singing, despite being stranded from home, what if this is like practicing presence? What if practicing presence and orienting our lives around our spiritual practices really does matter? For Anna, her circumstances led to that opportunity for her to live in and be in God's presence. Anna devoted her life to God, to live with God at the temple. Let me try to help us imagine what it would have been like to be at the temple. Jerusalem, being the largest city in Israel between Alexandria and Damascus, hundreds of thousands of people would pass through in pilgrimage for festivals and for sacrifice, just as Mary, Joseph, and Jesus do. So imagine the sounds of animals for sacrifice, the smells of animals already sacrificed, small shops at the temple, sounds of money changers for those who would pass through to purchase sacrifices. There was probably construction as well. During that time, King Herod was reconstructing the city. So there's a lot going on here at the temple in this cosmopolitan and metropolis of Jerusalem. In the midst of a busy city and all that can happen at the temple, Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus go in Anna's direction. And at that moment, Anna sees Jesus. 
And this baby is the Messiah. For most of her life, worshiping God from the women's courts, she gets to see the Messiah face to face. For us, we know that Jesus came, he died and rose again and is to come again. How do we position ourselves in readiness as Anna does? With all that might be surrounding her at that moment, she has one focus and her eyes are on God, expecting, expecting that he will deliver on his promises that were told to the, the, the Israelites generations before. But for all her life, she believed and had the faith that God would deliver. And this day had come. She received the ultimate reward of seeing Jesus as a child who would bring redemption to Jerusalem and the world and with her very own eyes. And when Anna sees Jesus, this is the fulfillment of her longing. Every day of her life, waiting on God to hear her prayers probably would have felt like forever. And you know, Anna would have probably died waiting on God. That's likely true of many of us, where we might not get to see the fulfillment of what we truly long for in this lifetime on earth. We see that Anna lived a life in the presence of God into her ripe old age. She persevered and was so fully devoted and present that she would have died a life fulfilled even if she didn't get to see her savior. Though on the other hand, like Anna, some of us may be given the grace of seeing God answer prayers and fulfill promises just like we see here with Anna. She was given the, the gift and the grace to see the Messiah in person and to be the one, one of the very first people to see Jesus. Though Anna, through Anna, we also see through her life of waiting is her readiness. So we talked about perseverance, her physical presence, and now we also see her waiting in her readiness. We see her waiting on God and ready when God does answer. She had a watchfulness a readiness to when God was on the move and when he was ready to act and respond to her. So note in verse 38, she gives thanks to God and in that very moment, and then also Luke writes this, spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So not only does she give thanks to God, but I wanna draw your attention to the second half of that verse where she spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She's not the only one involved in the sighting of the Messiah. To anyone that hears, she shares the good news of redemption. When we have a readiness, there's a response to God and then a response to share it. For Anna, it just took this one moment to change everything. Interestingly enough, as we learn that Anna is the daughter of Penuel in verse 36, the name Penuel in Hebrew means face of God. And Anna, in living out the fullness of who she is, she sees in the flesh, literally, the face of God in Christ. 
He was everything she was waiting for. If we truly believe in our future hope and when Christ comes again to redeem all things, how does it influence how we wait? What will our response be? Back in October, my husband Alex ran the Chicago Marathon. And I went with him and a group of my friends. Um, there were some of them were running as well. And we went to go cheer. I went to go cheer him on. I love running and enjoy participating in competitive races. So race day, to me, is a big deal. I'm from the Chicagoland, and I've run this race before, so this race course is familiar. So yes, I am super pumped. And even while I'm not running the race, I feel like this race is just as much mine as it is his. There was so much preparation involved. Like, it impacted us both, like our scheduling, the runs, and the kids' schedules. So I'm pumped for Alex in this race. I've downloaded the app to track the, the marathon runners, and it's ready on my phone. And it shows you the race course and then the approximate location of the runners as they run. The challenge is trying to scan the crowds for your runners as they'd be among like 40,000 other runners. So I had specific spots that I would try to spot him or see him. And after a couple disappointing and unsuccessful attempts on that course, trying to see him, I had just one more shot to see him at the finish. So I get on the red line, which is where I, I was right in Chinatown, and I get on the red line, and I go back from Chinatown to Grant Park, and when I get there, it is, it is crowded. It's crowded everywhere. But I managed to squeeze through the layers of the dense crowd to a perfect viewing spot, just 400 meters to the finish. And I'm going to see if I can get a sighting of Alex. And during my time waiting, I find myself completely immersed in the race day experience, feeling the weariness of the runners passing by on their final stretch. The energy of the crowd is high. And then among the runners, I finally see Alex. And when I spot him, I see him exhausted, putting one foot in front of the other after hours of running. But at that moment, I lost it. I lost all my inhibition. I shrieked without restraint, probably deafening to the ears of every person around me. I was so proud of Alex, and everyone around me knew it. What if waiting and expectation could be like that? Think about that. In our waiting, giving, getting ourselves into the right place, to not only see up front, but having an active partnership in what God is doing and where he's at work. And as a result, those around us can help but experience it too. What if waiting and expectation could be like that? And we get to share in the greatest story of all time. Just as Anna does, finally seeing God through baby Jesus. Maybe you're curious what it might be like to be in on what God's doing. Maybe you're wondering if it's really worth it if you might not get an answer to prayer or see God deliver on his promises. You might be feeling so exhausted, 
right now, trying to hang on with everything that's happening in your life and in the world right now, it's overwhelming. Not sure if you can keep up with this faith and with all this pain that you, you feel and you see. Well, you know there is something in this for you today. Let this sink in. While waiting on God is hard, and maybe you stopped waiting on God, the truth is our God pursues after you. Our God pursues after you, church, and he meets you where you're at. God came as a baby, Jesus, and physically showed up to where Anna was. See, here, here we are in sin and on the earth. And Jesus shows up and he meets us. He meets us where we are. This is the Christmas story. God came as a baby boy through Jesus Christ that Anna met at the temple that day. That baby boy became a man who modeled how to wait well on God in pursuit of God. He modeled that perseverance by enduring the pain of betrayal and the shame of our sin. He broke down all the divides to bring about his redemptive plan for all humanity. And Jesus Christ also took the physical presence before God. He sought God in everything that he did and to bring glory to him. He taught us how to worship, fast, and pray. He promises to stay with us. He stays with us, for he is with us, right? Jesus is with us. God is with us. Jesus also waited on God with readiness. In God's perfect timing, he fulfilled the promise that we could be with God and share in his kingdom that is to come. Take comfort today that he sees you. He hears the cries of his people. He hears the cries of his people in waiting for the redemption of all things. They let that settle in your heart. He will fulfill his promises and he will reign and his kingdom will come. And like Anna, we too will see our Messiah face to face. In a moment, I'm gonna have the worship team and uh, David McKinney to come up. Um, let me close us in prayer. God, it's so hard. It's so hard to wait on you on this earth. Deep in our hearts, we long for all your kingdom to come right now. With all that we carry and in our brokenness, it is so hard with all the things that we face right now. And during this season of Advent, I pray that you continue to teach us how to wait on you well. And even while waiting is hard, or maybe we stopped waiting on you, God, we thank you that you pursue us and meet us where we are. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>